Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Greetings. Hi. Uh, today we're going to be going through part two of Gen Con recap, starting with... Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen oh, yeah. Con. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, starting with day three. Why was that a question? I don't remember what we did on day three. Uh, oh, we went, we went to, to Potichu. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We yeah. had a, uh, a gap because we canceled one of our events because Kiwi bought the game, which was fine because we got to go to Potichu. Well, I kickstarted it. I, I think it makes it make it clear. I didn't buy it at the convention. Right. <laughs> I kickstarted it a while ago. Sure, I just sure. happened to get it before. Whatever. And then uh, I think Kiwi and I swung by the vendor hall to make some purchases that we had perused from the day before. And it was also a very nice uh, delay because I was out until almost midnight yeah. with the AEG game night. So it was nice to have that little delay so we didn't have to like rush out and just be tired all day. We were just normal tired. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so do you want to go through your purchases? Uh, yeah, so I got, um, along with the games that you get with AEG, we also got uh, $50 off that only worked at the booth, so you had to use it during Gen Con. Um, so the only game, uh, AEG game that we hadn't played or didn't already own was uh, War Chest. So I picked up War Chest, which is kind of a, uh, a card based. There's some chips in it for the units, but it's sort of a, a little bit of an abstract uh, war game. But it's the same designer as um, uh, un the und Undaunted mm -hmm. series. And he also did or is the co-designer for Night Witches, oh, which is a game right. that BP and I are looking at from Fort Circle Games about the um, Night Witches. Yeah, the Night Witches from Russia in World War II. Uh, and then I also picked up Kites because I thought it was a really cool concept. Um, I grabbed Beacon, Beacon Patrol, uh, which we'll talk about uh, later. And then uh, the RPG Wander Home because it was more storytelling and I had looked at it in the past uh, and the book is super pretty. So And we've played I it, that so up. it's recommended. Uh, and then I bought Diced Veggies and some Dice. Hey, you bought oh, some yeah. vase too. Um, and I tried to buy a vase in the RPG, but uh, it was sold out, so I failed. Okay, so first games we played were Pollen, uh, designed by Reiner Knizia. Which was shocking to me. I did not realize oh, that yeah. until I made these show notes. I, I didn't know. Uh, who has designed everything. Uh, yeah. The artist was Beth Sobel, who has artisted Which I also everything. Didn't realize. <laughs> um, so a really good combo there, like the all-star team. Uh, it's published in 2023 by All Play. It was a publisher I don't know of, so uh, good, good first exposure to them, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so this was sort of a uh, a game where you've got um, uh, squares. They were squares. No, no they yeah, couldn't be. They were squares. Because they had the oh, quarters had cut, cut out. out. Were, okay, yeah. So there's squares, squares cut yeah. out. So there's probably a shape name for that, but I don't know what it is. Um, and you would sort of uh, put them down. Everyone had a different color, and you'd put them down. And wherever two colors sort of met, you'd plop down a uh, what do you call those things? Like a that's a token, but it's like a glass. Yeah, they were like yeah, like a glass bead. Was yeah. almost what it looked like, like a half bead thing. Um, and it would have a, a bug, bug or multiple bugs in it. Uh, bees. Uh, uh, butterflies and um, June bugs. June bugs. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, your goal and your cards would have one of those three or stars for wild card. And basically whoever touched this uh, circle with the most of the symbols would take 
a token of that bug when when it was fully surrounded. That's about all there was to it, like rule wise. But it was a lot of strategy, a lot of thinking about what you wanted to play. Um, you know, you had a certain hand and certain numbers of each of these cards, so uh, strategically placing them and then trying to capture multiple bugs and things like that was was sort of the strategy. Yeah, I mean, it's Beth Sobel, so the art looked great. Uh, I didn't know that until later, but the art was very good. Um, and I like mechanically they had some like, so when you put down the bug, it was only if more than one player created that corner. So then you had like cross pollination. So you couldn't like create your own little corner. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you had to have other people play there as well. Um, and we were playing up, we were playing with the uh, kind of the, the plussed up, like nice set. Um, the regular set just has little cardboard chips for the, the bugs um but yeah i thought it was i thought it was i thought it was good it was interesting for a kind of a tile laying game almost area majority area majority yeah. uh, you guys played at two player what did you think of it at two players i think we liked it at, at two player moved a little bit faster and um definitely affected the strategy because it was just just the two of you i thought it was stronger at two because you can spend a little bit more time thinking about your move without dragging down the game because like if four players mm-hmm. it, it could take a while to get back to your turn but with two uh it felt a little bit better in terms of being able to to spend some time thinking about it and i don't think it changed too much in terms of like kind of a little cool when you've got all four people contesting something but i don't think that happened much it seemed like we sort of broke off into two versus two throughout the map anyway so yeah um i thought it was stronger <laughs> and, and, it, and it tended towards whatever side of the table you were on yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so I thought it was really good at two. Uh, we didn't buy it because it just didn't seem like something we would play that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the higher player count, it was only four. But I, I thought it was really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked really pretty. It was very pretty. Just Not just like the card art, but just like the bug beads and the bug tokens were cool. It was, it was just had a really good table presence. I did like the fact that uh, BP refused to get any June bugs because she, she hates June bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. The scoring was interesting too, because you're trying to capture the most of two of them. And then if you don't, it has all these other like caveats and things. But it, it's kind of interesting because you can't just go for one. And if you go right. for all three, you're probably also not going to win. So you kind of got to focus. Yeah. So it's interesting. I enjoyed it. Um, and especially when we played it two player. But at the same time, I'd say like it, it was a little bit of a disappointment theme because I don't think I knew anything initially the title and the, just knowing the nature. I thought some it was going to be something different. So mm-hmm. it was, it's I not. I don't think I can super thematic. It could have really been anything. Yeah. But for what it was, the theme was it was pretty. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Like you weren't really like pollinating flowers or moving right. around and stuff. You were just sort of, which is pretty Reiner Knizia. I don't, he don't think he's a mechanic or a, a theme first kind of designer. No, it's definitely mechanics first. Yeah. Mm. Well, next up, we went to the hot games room again. Uh, again, a great space to go test out some new games, especially when you have such a great teacher. Oh, don't suck up now. Like Kiwi, who's going to tell you uh, all the rules. Um, so we started the afternoon with Sushi Boat, uh, published by Japanime Games in 2023, designed by Dario Masorente uh, and Francesco Testini. Uh, the art was done by Evan Kwan. And in this 
the board definitely has a, a table presence because there is a sushi conveyor. Uh, so if you've ever been out for conveyor belt sushi, uh, it had uh, basically a board that you kind of shoveled along uh, small coins of plates uh, with sushi pictures on them. Um, and in somewhat similar fashion to uh, when you go out for conveyor belt sushi, you uh, want to pay attention to the color of the plate because in real life, that tells you how much you're going to pay. Uh, in this one, it also was part of your set collection. There were a couple different set collections that got a, a little confusing at the end, but we sorted it out um, eventually. <laughs> uh, pun intended. Uh, there were workers that you could also, you had uh, a pawn that you would then uh, move around the conveyor that could interact with workers that were placed around the conveyor. And you got various uh, items. Um, you had cards that told you how many new plates you'd put on the conveyor belt. Uh, there were times when you got to guess which colors were hidden uh, kind of in the part of the conveyor belt you couldn't see, which always happens when you're sitting in those types of restaurants. You can only see the conveyor belts that are in front of you. Um, so yeah, it was a, a fun, I think not very light since there was some memory component to it, um, but it was a fun um, representation, I'll say, of conveyor belt sushi. Yeah, the actual conveyor belt part was like from a table presence aspect, it, that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Like the actual, like how they had built the track to be able to kind of push all the plates uh, through and around. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, it was one of my least favorite games that we played, not because it was bad, but I felt like we played better games throughout the weekend. Um, but yeah, the memory aspect was was interesting. It was different. I thought it was decent. It just felt a little bit like it needed to be streamlined a bit, I guess. It kind of felt a little yeah. bit too all over the place with like the different actions and then the placement and then the memory and then the set collection. It just felt like it was maybe trying to do a little too much if it had sort of focused on one of those aspects. Um, it may have been a little bit stronger, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, I think theme-wise, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked pushing the plates around the conveyor belt. And I liked the, the cards, you know, being side dishes. I liked the characters that were next to some of the seats. Um, I thought that was pretty fun. The wasabi challenge and whatnot. But I think, I don't know. I feel like it just didn't work that well because I, I was trying to pay attention to the set collection rules. But I think at the end of the day, you could have just gone into it and just try to take as many plates as possible and mm -hmm. you would end up winning regardless of the yeah. set rules. Like the, was, the strategy yeah. wasn't quite there. I think I may have won and it's mostly because I kept doing the, the actions trash, that gave me extra trash things. Trash cat. Trash cat. Yeah, trash cat. Um, so trash I don't know that the strategy ended up. Actually, also the memory part was probably the biggest thing. Okay. Um, next, we played we played Forbidden Jungle in the Hot Games Room, uh, designed by Matt Leacock of the Pandemic and the Forbidden Island series games. 
uh, unknown artist. Yeah. Seems like a miss. Um, and it was published 2023 by Game Right. Uh, if you go back to Forbidden Island, did we do an episode on Forbidden Island or was that before? Uh, yeah, I think it was a long yeah. time ago. Long time ago. If you find the uh, Forbidden Island episode, we talk about that there. They've also done Forbidden Desert, Forbidden Sky, and this is the fourth in the series. Uh, they're also fairly similar pandemic, pr- pretty different enough, but mechanically similar. Um, so it's kind of followed that track. Uh, your explorers in some sort of futuristic jungle. Uh, there's, you're like on an alien planet. Um, you're trying to find a, a portal, right? And yeah, we needed to move crystals around the portal yeah, after we found and it. You can rearrange sort of the, the jungle and trying to move crystals to get around the portal. There's sort of, uh, alien eggs and, uh, hatchlings and then adults that move around and sting you. And so, uh, I mean, I guess the big threat and what happened to us is that, you know, you'll, you'll draw basically an, an event card that the hatchling or the eggs hatch. You get a bunch of hatchlings and the hatchlings grow into adults. And then suddenly surrounded by adults are all running around stinging everybody. And uh, I think we just had to, uh, too many. So when you run it, when you put them all on the board, there's no more to place. So you lose. That's how we lost. Um, yeah. But it was cool. Kind of has the same sort of thing where the, the tiles are falling off as you go doing different actions. You have different characters, different abilities. Um, you're trying to balance you know, meeting your objective, which was uh, sort of in our case, exploring and finding the the portal, and then moving the crystals around with uh, dealing with the um, the threats, which was the aliens in this case. Um, Had really good table presence. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty. Uh, yeah, the tiles laying out were pretty cool, and the, I liked the, mm-hmm. the eggs and the hatchlings and the. Have you guys played the Forbidden Sky and Forbidden Forbidden Desert once? No, I've seen desert and i've heard it is the best of them and it looks really cool i'd like to play it sky i've heard is the weakest of the injuries yeah i think i've i've heard the same thing i i, I feel like because you know we played island and that was interesting trying to like the tiles would disappear i felt like this was a you know mechanically similar but different enough that i did feel like it was a different mm-hmm. game from forbidden island so i would certainly like to try uh, desert and sky just to see how you know he's taken something and made it different enough that it's worth being a separate game because yep. i think even with the pandemic ones you know he's done a pretty good job of making them different like similar enough that you could easily kind of come into it and pick it up but different enough that it, it's worth being a separate game um bp and i played the rome one and it was very interesting. I liked it a lot. And then pandemic in general is just one of our most played games. We really enjoyed that one. So yeah, I thought it was good. Plus it came in a nice 10. Yep. I actually like these, this series better than pandemic personally. All right. After that, we, uh, we headed back for our camel con entries. Um, at the, oh, ooh, tell don't forget we had Weber. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Kiwi doesn't put the food on here. So I just read. Well, yeah. So we went to dinner at Weber. Um, it was, it was good as always. I was a big fan of that jar of banana pudding I got at the end. That was uh, a bit <laughs> much, but also very good. Um, they have no more brisket though. I, no more brisket. Yeah, very sad. no more brisket. I had pork chops and ate them all. Yeah. Well, so Eric and I, so we did the vendor hall and then we went to the stadium 
And we, we found a little spot in the stadium and we played Beacon Patrol in the stadium. And then that's when we had to rush from the stadium over to the convention center before we played uh, Pollen. Mm. So that's when we were rushing through the, the little food, food truck area. Um, so yeah, so Beacon Patrol. So 2022, uh, designed by Torben Ratzliff. Uh, Alex Cutler was the developer uh, who also developed That Time You Killed Me. And then the artists were Torben Ratzliff and Peter Walken, who also did uh, Zaya Legends of the Drift System, uh, Sagrada, the game that Eric will never play, uh, Dead of Winter, Crossroads <laughs> game. Zaya, Zaya might also be on that list. It's been It's one of the lo- oldest games on our to play list. <laughs> yeah, we just haven't got to it. Um, and then it was published by Pandasaurus. Uh, so the idea behind this game is uh, we are uh, Coast Guard captains and we're trying to explore the coast. Um, so there's lighthouses and buoys. And so we're trying to explore around these lighthouses and buoys. Uh, it's a tile laying game, uh, but interestingly, it's a cooperative tile laying game. So it's got a um, Carcassonne feel to it, but you don't have meeples that you lie down um, or put on the board to score points. And so uh, Eric and I tried to tried it once we were the lowest possible rank you could be. And then we got kind of got uh, middle of the rank, but um, so you can move around, you can place tiles. You have some, uh, if you don't place tiles, you have some movement tokens in order to move. Um, and then you can trade out one of your, uh, to- one of your tiles with the other player. And so I think uh, Eric and I both thought it was uh, very well done. It was kind of a, I was Eric, when we were in the vendor hall, Eric was looking over at uh, Red Raven. Um, and so I was just looking to see if they had a demo so I could see how it was played and they didn't. And so I was just like, ah, I'm just going to grab it because I had heard so many good things. So this was kind of my, you know, hadn't played it, but heard good things, uh, game that I purchased this year. And I think it was, uh, for me personally, I think it was definitely worth the purchase. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, it's fun to just, uh, compared it to Fjords. Yes, you are. Uh, that's what like it was. Building a map, but we were competitive. So it's like, I want to put this here because it would make a nice cove, but that doesn't, that benefits Kiwi more. But this one, we're working together. So we, we were able to both enjoy building the cove. <laughs> um, yes. No, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was interesting. Like you guys have said, just uh, those mechanics, but in a cooperative game. Mm hmm. And it has a nice table presence, I mean, because you are creating something together. Um, it's got that aesthetic kind of scratch for an yeah. itch. Yeah. yeah, aesthetic itch. Yeah. yeah. So. so now we're at post-dinner. Thanks for putting these in chronological order. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um... What did we play? Uh, yeah, so we played Canvas first. Canvas, a bit of Canvas. That canvas was, was fun. Um, yeah, so we talked about this at last year's Gen Con. Still enjoyable. Um, yep. Still a good time. And I, yeah, I just, the, like, you know, we get to the point where, like, you know, we're, we, we get the painting finished and everybody was just sort of like, I present to you. <laughs> darkness and everybody's like oh yes oh yes uh and then um it's only i think the only down part is is it only plays uh four players right that's what we had uh so stephanie kind of sat off to the side but then uh she wasn't necessarily looking at the paintings so that we had her uh judge all the paintings and she picked her favorite one uh based on uh what they looked like so we added in a fun little um so i think 
Kate won with points, but points are dumb in Canvas. Mm -hmm. So I think really Ernesto won because his painting was chosen by... Two of his threes made it to the top three, and I think that is the biggest uh, success he's ever had in gaming. (laughs) 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 Um, Then Kiwi and I played the Night Cage. Uh, We should save this for for their episode, but um, do you want to save this one for theirs? Yeah, well, let's say like the description stuff. Um, I think here I will say, though, that uh, I think the game that we came up with after the fact <laughs> yes. was better. Yeah. Um, it has a mechanically cool stuff, but yes, uh, yeah. it, it's one that kind of fits a sort of one of the other some of the other ones we talked about where it need a little bit more work to make it probably really solid. But yeah, it had a foundation that could could be something. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah, and a theme that I don't particularly care for. Same. So uh, that'll come up in part three of uh, of this series. Um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> so day four of Gen Con. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. math trade day. There's yeah. So, here. yeah, I uh, there was a lot of trades this year, uh, like two, two almost three pages. bags. Yeah, there's a very large number. We had uh if you've ever seen a Chick-fil-A uh, catering bag, basically two of those plus some extra bags. Um, it was about a half mile walk from where we were staying and, and my misting. arms yeah, and misting. My arms uh, were very tired because <laughs> uh, I had a backpack. And then before we left, I seriously considered getting one of those like um uh, wagons that you can take to the, to have the beach wagons that I've seen like tons of people yeah. bring to the math trade. And I was like, it might be worth it this year. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Those people look like idiots. And then I got about halfway there and I was like, ah, fuck, I wish I had one of those <laughs> wagons. Yeah. So if we end up doing just as many next year, I will 100% buy one of those wagons because yeah. I desperately needed it. Um, so it, it went well. Um, it, definitely helped having BP there because she was able to stay with the games and I was able to walk around. Um, there was one guy towards the end that everybody, his name was getting called and he just wasn't paying attention and he was the very last one we needed. But I think we got done in about 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, Then we brought everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, I, after what, six years, Six years in, I finally joined the Gen Con pre-Vendor Hall opening mob. Oh, you did um, it. Yep, yeah, I did it. It took six it years. It was just a daily one. It, it wasn't like the... Yeah, it wasn't day one. It was the very last day. Um, but that area was pretty packed regardless of which day it was. Um, I felt like it was just as packed as it was. Pre-COVID. The, well, but for the Thursday one, I felt like oh, there was that really? many people Sunday. in there. I think the difference is, is there wasn't people up in the, the rafters, so to speak, to watch it. Um, there was a near fist fight about 20 feet behind me because uh, some guy like bumped into a lady who had a baby. And I'm assuming the like significant other of baby holding woman like wanted to fist fight the dude. So they were like holding it back. Um, and so I made a beeline for Hachette. Uh, and I was second to last in line uh, to get uh, Sky Team uh, in the vendor hall. So that's what I did. Grabbed it and then immediately headed to the hot games room. Where BP and I were struggling with setup and rules <laughs> <laughs> on our own, um, abandoned, uh, as we were trying to play Queen of Midnight. 
Uh, do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to add to that, or do you want me to? Yeah. Do spiel? It, yeah. No. It was. Uh, I was. I was probably the first one in the room, so I picked this because uh, I had you know heard some of the hype about it and really wanted to give it a go. And then I opened it up and was like, "Oh my gosh, what am I doing?" And as soon as Eric sat down, I just handed him <laughs> the rule book because I, think we passed I was it back and forth like five times. <laughs> yeah, it was. It took us about thirty minutes to. Yeah, I, I was in line and in the vendor hall for about forty-five minutes, and when I came into the hot games room and sat down, uh, I think Eric's comment was, "Oh, great, we haven't started yet." <laughs> <laughs> we were still setting yeah. up. Uh, so this is Queen of Midnight by Kyle Shire and Alexander Uboldi. Artist Michael Ivan, uh, Mike Pape, and Amira Sheik. Uh, published by Darrington Press, 2023. Um, where to begin? Uh, so first, she, set up, first she spent a lot of time setting up a fancy clock tower mm. that spins in a mm-hmm. circle. Um, that's a dice tower it's a dice tower and a round tracker and a card holder mm-hmm. you should just stop yeah. there because that's the best part of the game um so i guess the the purpose is you are all playing a bunch of queens queen princesses princesses yeah, we are, who are yeah. and then this world you battle to the death to become queen um Pretty much. Yep, i think so at midnight <laughs> well, I think By I think midnight. the princess is queen, or the queen is crowned at midnight. So you just want to be the last princess you got a standing, full day I guess. Of fighting. Um, I guess ahead of you. Uh, it's a deck builder. Um, it's a very combat oriented deck builder. So you're gonna have your queen's got cards, and then there's a community pool of cards. Um, they are split into three sections throughout the day: morning, evening, or morning, afternoon, evening. Um, so they kind of get stronger cards are available as you go throughout the day. Um, you have power cards that unlock late in the day that give you like an ultimate ability. It's kind of very video gamey. I felt like, um, and then, yeah, you're building a deck and then doing different things like attacking people and, um, uh, you're, you're getting clout. Was it clout? Uh, yeah, you've got health, you got clout. Clout will let you buy cards and use abilities, um, and then you uh, fight each other until midnight. We uh, Eric and I stopped by the Darrington booth uh, to watch them do like a game explanation of this. Uh, didn't stay for the whole explanation because it was clear that it was going to go on for quite some time. <laughs> um, I was not super pulled to the game, um, and I don't really have any desire to play it again um yeah i think i think the big draw is art i would say yes yeah, i was gonna say the table presence is it's big good, i yeah. mean literally yeah it's a t- not just the centerpiece clock tower but it is a table hawk uh the player boards in front of each person that were part of your trackers and card organizers took up a lot of space um you know put four of those together and i mean we were definitely running out of room pretty quickly mm-hmm. for a deck builder which i feel like usually has a fairly small, small footprint. footprint yeah yeah <laughs> 
Um, oh, well, you, you missed this during the setup, but like the cards are, there's like no very, like it's iconography oh, yeah. is very rough. Cause it's like, we were trying to figure out like what Starter cards go with card. what queen. And it's yeah. like, Oh, well this, we had to match like the background of our picture to the background on a little icon somewhere. It was just kind of a mess of figuring yeah, out how to even set up the game. So it's not a good, not a good start to the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a deck, it's a combat deck builder, which is not really our thing. Yeah, I would say that those are two of my least favorite things. Yeah. So, yeah, not my type of game. And even though it's combat and there was interaction, like, I don't know, I was just, like, going, my, doing my turn by myself because, like... Yeah, Kay wouldn't wait for everyone else. She just any, did it. any need yeah. to wait for it to go around. So I was like, let me just get this started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would see Kate over across the table from me, just like going through all her stuff. And then it would be like, it would finally get to her turn. And then she'd look at me and be like, okay, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 I don't know if there's much more to say. I guess if you're really, really into deck builders, people seem to enjoy it. But yeah, but the thing is, like, I do really enjoy deck builders. Well, combat I don't ones. want to play that again. Okay. That's fair. Like, I just, uh, yeah. I don't want to play that again. Yeah. I agree. It was just too much. Um, it was yes. kind of, my favorite part was when the other group pulled out a uh, Everdell Farshore and Kate just looked longingly <laughs> at their table and was just like, Can I go over there? <laughs> no, man, you sit and you wait till midnight. <laughs> you want to be queen, damn it. <laughs> I mean, didn't you win? Did I? I don't remember. I don't oh, yeah, because I turned into a bear and randomly attacked everybody and killed them. Mm. Yeah, that's Which right. Which was really just sort of. Nothing in the game mattered for me. I just sort of did that. Yeah. And I spent most of the game trying to help Kate win because that's who I selected to be the the, the winner. But it didn't matter because I didn't, I wasn't I, dead at the end. So I, I wouldn't have been in her court anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next we played. So next we played Emerge, uh, published in 2023, uh, designed by Adam DeYoung. And developed by Alex Cutler. Um, the artist uh, was Tom Goyen. And published by Panasaurus Games. Uh, okay. Um, so on this, we had, um, we had a center board. And we each had different sized islands. Uh, small, medium, and large. And there were, um, let's see. Crabs, turtles, uh, seals, seals, trees, seals. <laughs> trees, and um, and birds. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and so we wanted to place islands and grow the islands from small to large, um, and uh, we wanted to have a variety of animals and trees on our islands. Um, the more on one island, the better. Uh, we could steal birds from each other. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, then there were some other objectives, like the most stealing of birds and other things that I, uh, the first to put seals out. Yep. Um, yeah, these are random. So they would change every game. Yeah. Like that. And, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool because, uh, yeah, you were rolling dice and the based on the dice that you rolled, you had, um, you then 
may or may not have the ability to put trees on islands or crabs on islands. It would, uh, ba- you'd roll dice and then based <laughs> on the numbers, they would slot onto your board under mm-hmm. different action abilities based on what you rolled. And then you, yeah, which is a mechanic we've liked in the past because it was yeah. kind of, yeah, worker placement, di- worker placement with dice as workers. So it goes into like dice hospital that BP and I really enjoy. Um, and we've played some other games that, um, mm-hmm. use that mechanic as well. And then yep. you had these tiles that um, also gave you additional, like little little helping abilities um, to re-roll or to move die and change a dice to any particular number that you wanted it to be. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, I think that covers it. It was very smooth. Like it, it was maybe one of the cleanest games we played mechanically. Um, mm-hmm. It was just enjoyable. Like it's always fun. Like I said, dice placement, putting animals on islands was fun. Stealing birds was fun. Um, it felt like enough thinking that it was a good puzzle, but it wasn't like too complicated. Pretty straightforward. Probably one of our easier games to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think my only downside, I think it was four player count, which is why I wouldn't get it, but um, definitely enjoyed playing it. Yeah, and thematically, it's a nice theme because it, you know you were trying to you know create these islands. You were researchers researching these islands as opposed to like trying to colonize them or catch animals or anything like that. Like you were trying to build up, mm-hmm. you know, as you were doing research, you know, to build up your islands and all kinds of stuff. So I, I thought thematically it was nice as well. Animal meeples, great table. Oh, yeah, the seals and the crabs and the sea turtles. Those are good meeples, yeah. And also, Mm -hmm. color palette, I guess. It had, like, something unique about that that just sort of made it look cool to me. Yeah, it was attractive. Yeah, I think uh, my only complaint, which is not actually a complaint, that the game worked well, but it was hard for me to get the animals and I wanted more than I had. <laughs> yeah. it was a challenge. But it was like, I remember like we all got like the seal at the same time and it felt like a big accomplishment. Yeah, that's true. And then I had the double bird steal on a turn. Mm-hmm. I worked hard on that one. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to, not a lot of animals, but you really, you really feel the impact when you get one. Yeah. Uh, so that was our, that was our last game in the, in the hot games room. Um, so then we, midnight queen took all day. Yep. That's yeah. (laughs) Uh, and then we went back to the hotel, um, uh, before dinner and Eric and I played sky team. So that is published, uh, this year. I think, uh, October is when it's actually going to come out, uh, published by Hachette, uh, board games. Uh, I think La Scorpion Mask is actually the designer. They're a French company, but Hachette is the one publishing it here in the U.S. Uh, the designer was Luc Roman. Uh, Eric Hibbler uh, and Adrian Rivas were the artists. Um, and basically, it is a limited communication cooperative game. One of you takes the role of the pilot. The other takes the role of the co-pilot, and you have different uh, things that you need to do. So like the co-pilot does more communication to clear out traffic in front of you and also controls the flaps. The pilot controls the landing gear and the brakes. And then you both have to work together in order to maintain the aircraft level and your engine speed in order to get closer to the airport. Um, 
and it's limited communication. So you're both rolling your dice. You can't talk about where you're going to place or what you're going to place. Um, it was super interesting. It, thematically, it's something that I'm obviously super into, um, you know, being a pilot. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to pick it up. And then I've heard some really good, th- I, I think Eric and I, like we were randomly talking to somebody. Was that, that was the kid's table when you were picking up dice, um, fed, dice veggies? Yeah, she was, she wanted it. Yeah, she was like, the only thing I can't get is Sky Team because they're limiting the number of, like Hachette did a really good thing. They spread out the games across the whole weekend and then they limited the number that um, people who are working in the vendor hall could pick up. So they made sure that there was tons available, not tons, but plenty available for the people in the in the hall. Um, there was probably like 10 or so different airports to change the difficulty. Um, so it was like, it was super interesting. I really liked it. Yeah, it was interesting. That's probably my um, number one game of the whole convention. Why did we lose? Uh, we lost because uh, our approach speed was too much and our brakes could not stop us. Okay, so we, we landed. Uh, I was in charge of brakes, but we didn't realize. Report. Well, I, we didn't realize <laughs> that you had to be slower. <laughs> uh, and I think thematic, thematically, the only thing that's wrong is in real life, the pilot and the co-pilot would be talking constantly. <laughs> um, but that it, the game would be far too easy if you did it per real life yeah so i pictured you were in like Thank a biplane goodness. and you had to scream and it was like an open cockpit mm-hmm. that's what yeah, i was that's picturing true. yeah um that could be, that could i think it works with everything else but <laughs> um, yeah it was cool it was thematic um it was interesting uh it was a really good two-player game so cooperative yeah kind of hits all the things we like uh and then i think after that we taught uh we played kites you want to talk about kites, BB? Yeah, we played it a bunch of times. So um, because it is short and fun, which we had experienced in the vendor hall. So it's an interesting concept where um, you have six. Yep, six. Um, what are those things? Hourglasses. Uh, sand there. timers. Sand timers. Hourglasses. Yep. But not hours, but. Yep. Uh, varying lengths based on the color Um, and you wanted to basically um, based on the cards that you set down and it was cooperative played up to four uh, we had five, five playing, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think you could play six. six, I think I think. six. six. That's yeah. right. It was a max of six. Um, and you could uh you set down cards of kites that had different colors on it and which allowed you to flip the hourglasses and you basically wanted to keep the hourglasses moving and not have them run out of sand uh, while you went around the table playing your cards and quite tricky at some points. Um, Lots of talking, lots of quick, you know, hands moving around the table. Yeah. Yeah. Thematically, you're trying to keep the kites in the air. And right. they range from 30 mm-hmm. seconds to 90 seconds. Right. Yeah. Um, so kind of provides that real time um, element of, you know, just enough of stress that you're, you're getting that adrenaline going, but um, isn't too much of a panic because 
the colors are just nice and soothing mm -hmm. as well. So you, yeah. you don't feel, you know, too overwhelmed, I'd say. I think Eric, you just, you compared it to Fuse. Yeah, not mechanically, but in just sort of like a game that kind of gets your, gets your energy going, but isn't like yeah. super complicated and can be played in minutes. So, um, yes, yeah, sort of like that good, like, you know, everyone's kind of like dragging, play that game. It's everybody sort of energetic. Yeah. And I think we must've played it four or five times mm -hmm. before we went to, yeah, before, yeah, we played kites and then we did kitchen rush. So we taught Alexi kitchen rush. Um, yeah, we played it like half a dozen times. Kites. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think kitchen rush we've talked about in the past. Um, just a great game. Still a great game. Mm -hmm. So much Kate's, fun. One of Kate's favorite games. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, food, cooking recipes, yep. <laughs> a little bit of chaos. Mm -hmm. Everything's ruined. Yep. Everything is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> um, then for food, we had second night of Weber. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we came back to do a little bit more of a uh, beaking patrol. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to try a four player beacon patrol. And that was, uh, that rounded out our camel gun. So sad how quickly it goes by. It does seem like it goes by super fast every year. Yep. Yeah. It's like we, we wait all year to get there and then finally it's here <laughs> and we're just like, go, go, go. And then by the end, we're just like, I'm tired, but I also don't want to, I just want to keep playing games. Yeah. yeah. Although this year, I don't think we were as, you know, charged our schedule, I felt like, you know, it was a good balance of things. Um, and we got to spend, you know, lots of time just kind of together. I, I also felt that this year, I mean, the attendance at the con overall was back to pre-COVID levels. It's and higher. so having... Yeah, yeah, they actually broke the record. So 2019 was the last record of just under 70,000. Mm -hmm. And they reported that uh, Turnstiles was just over 70,000. Yeah. So having the hot games room, having CamelCon was a nice kind of way to break where we still got to play new games together, you know, in person. Yep. Where you could then see my hand gestures. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's got some hands waving in the air and now she's waving them again. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like this was probably... Um, not necessarily chill because like it's Gen Con, so Gen Con's right. never chill. But I felt like our schedule that we created was very conducive to sort of just sort of taking care of ourselves, but still mm -hmm. having fun at the same time. Yeah. I think it's so, a, you know it's this is our sixth one. Like we've kind of seen a bunch. Obviously, there's new stuff every year, but like you know we don't have to spend as much time in the vendor hall because we kind of know what we're looking for. We kind of know what games we're interested in, and then we can spend just more time in the hot games room, which is a little bit more of a relaxed environment. Yeah. Um, and then just especially sort of, the last day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's quite maybe we shouldn't have that on the podcast though. Yeah. Get that out not. there. Oh, yeah, Hot yeah, games room yeah. is awful. Don't go. go there. Yeah, don't go there. Never go there. Hot games room is the worst. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about Jerry? Uh yeah. So uh do you want to mention Jerry? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh Jerry's the best. Uh I, uh, we took a bunch of sodas from his refrigerator. I just drank the last one today oh, nice. and I, I, I thought about Jerry while I was drinking yeah. it. So, uh, he does an excellent job. So if you ever Eric, have Jerry in the, the pin, the pin street hotel or pin street tower, uh, Jerry's the guy to get, don't get anybody else. Just Jerry. Yep. <laughs> Ask for Jerry. Ask for Jerry. Um, 
Yeah, we we avoided uh, uh, the death and destruction of Lorcana, so that was that was a big win for this Gen Con. Yep. Um, yeah, that, that was sounded crazy. like a disaster. Expected. Uh, so this year we played seventeen new games. Well, seventeen games total. Last year we only played fifteen. Uh, fifteen were new to everybody, and then two more were new to somebody. God, um, we have to hit so sixteen like, next year. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Uh, our final win counts. So Eric and Kate both had four wins this year. Uh, they had four and three last year. And then I had three, which is the same as I did. And then BP had her 200% uh, increase <laughs> in wins last year, but then she cut that in half by 50%. Uh, last year, we were three for three for cooperative games, but this year we were three for four, unless you count all of our attempts at kites, and then we were four for eight. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, and then, like Eric said, yeah, this is our most most new games played in a single year. Uh, yeah, beating last year's, or most games, yeah. So I think we were at 14 last year. Uh, new games yeah. and so we, we we beat it by one so yeah if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on uh, or uh, any game conventions that you would like to hear our impressions on we always love getting to go play new games and uh, do it in person or virtually whichever is possible you can do so by sending us those recommendations at first turn tabletop at gmail or twitter instagram we are at first turn cast and the podcasting camel says as he's walking his way through indianapolis to pot at you Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. And he makes sure to order the croissant French toast. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. 